No. I mean, I used to be, but not anymore. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, dude. Wait, do you work now? Do you have a job now? I probably have a job within the next couple of weeks, but not right now. So I've been unemployed for a year, so it's about time oh, for me to get back shit. in. Oh, <laughs> shit. Got nothing to show for it. Not a goddamn thing. No festivals. Oh, uh, really? No nothing. No Coachella. Yeah, I'm on I'm on the cover of some websites. That counts for something. Which one? Emron.com? Uh, no. Yeah, well, that one. Uh, Heavenly? I'm on Heavenly's website all over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's about it. <laughs> is that what you did? Is that why you took the year off? Your yeah. sabbatical? To, that's it's to exactly go. what I did. I was like, I, I want to be on You're the cover. You're so of a, goddamn loud. I hate it so much. I hate <laughs> how loud you are. <laughs> just, I was just holding the microphone and I brought it closer to my face. Is this too much? You're not doing stand-up. <laughs> it doesn't need to be that loud. Okay. Okay, is that's good. too loud? No, that's perfect. Fine. That's fine. Okay, so this is about two hand lengths away from the microphone. That's good to know. <laughs> Did your parents not give you enough attention? Is that why you're so goddamn loud? Just Probably to get attention. I, I think it, it, it might be a it might be a height thing. Oh, like you that's listen. interesting. Uh, <laughs> never thought about that. Because <laughs> it takes sound has to be oh louder God, for it to drop. You gotta project your voice. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Bad Asian Podcast, the world's most inconsistent podcast. The podcast where we'll start off talking about Asian things and we'll slowly devolve into self-indulgent thought exercises. Right now we are co- recording from Canal Street Radio. Thanks to our sponsor, Listening Party. So please follow both of them on Instagram at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. That being said, I am your host, David Nguyen. Join with me as always from the West Coast is... Imran G. And today, uh, normally we would be introducing a guest like many other podcasts but this podcast is different because we don't have guests uh, we have special guests just special guests here on the bad asian show he is an australian vietnamese first i've ever met i knew you guys <laughs> existed uh we met at a comedy show and just here to talk about like just the different types of vietnamese people there are in the world so everybody please welcome to the show kyle mai thank you thanks how you doing guys hey what's up man yeah, glad to be on the show. Thank you very much. So, you are what part of Australia are you from? So, I grew up in Vietnam um, and was part of the whole refugee kind of thing. Got on the boat. I think many people experienced that. And uh, went to where a lot of other Vietnamese uh, refugees went, which is Sydney. So, grew up in Sydney for about 26 years and then migrated to London for 10 years. And here I am uh, over here in New York and loving it. <laughs> Oh, what Dope. part of Vietnam were you from? So I was born in an area called Châu Doc, mm-hmm. which is kind of like south of uh, Saigon. Mm-hmm. And do you remember the experience of leaving, like being as a kid, running to the boats? No, but uh, my family have retold the story like a million times at dinner tables, and it's it's folklore. You know, we had the whole. Ooh, what uh, was your parents' story? Oh, uh, really? You don't hear Because every parent has a little different story, and it is folklore, because my dad's story is he's a big hero. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 it's like how, uh, like, the way my, uh, you guys remember the show How I Met Your Mother? Like, the way he tells the story is hilarious. Because <laughs> uh, uh, he was in a POW camp. He escaped, and then he wow. jumped on a boat with a bunch of people. And they sailed up to Hong Kong, and his boat party got lost for a couple of months. 
and uh along the way he his boat party found my mom's boat party and their boat party was in trouble so my dad was like a big hero he jumped <laughs> on the boat and brought the whole <laughs> <bit>. <laughs> that's amazing he, he uses the word hero quite excessively <laughs> <laughs> as you would as you would wow it's amazing like hearing you say that uh there are definitely some similarities because my dad he was also in a pow camp uh because <coughs> he was fighting for the south vietnamese army uh, back in the war. Thank God. Otherwise, I'll have to end this interview <laughs> immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was put in a POW camp, or they called it a re-education camp yes. back in those days, uh, for five years prior to yeah, when I was born. Yeah, yeah in 1975. Did he graduate actually. or did? My dad, like, escaped. <laughs> he escaped? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Did your That's dad legit. just write it out? <laughs> no. He actually wrote it out, okay. and uh, they let him out, because him and his brothers were all in at the same time. Okay. Um... So I guess our kind of refugee and uh, leaving the country story, I was only 10 months old mm -hmm. when it all happened. And I have a older brother who's four or five years my older and my sister who's another five years on top of that. And basically, you know, we kind of fled in the middle of the night because that's kind of what you did back in the day. And we had uh, or my mum and dad brought all of the valuable possessions that they had with them. So gold and all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Got on the boat. And it's fascinating that they had gold. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> currency just, yeah. for everything. <laughs> Do you hey, man, you can, you can exchange gold anywhere, like in any country. Was it like gold bars, like just gold yeah. jewelry? Yeah. Uh, there was a combination of a few things, yeah, like yeah. gold bars and jewelry and rings and all that kind of do, stuff. Did they do that thing uh, in Australia where they uh, don't put money in the bank, but they hide it in their houses? Yeah, underneath <laughs> the mattress. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, your guys' mattresses must have been rough with all Emron, this gold. Emron, you're so goddamn loud. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm moving the mic further away from me. How does that? Is that better? Is that better? Yes. Is that better? All right, good. It's just you get so excited. <laughs> gold, gold. <laughs> yeah, an Indian person talking about gold. Yeah, of so course. <laughs> of course we love gold. That's exactly what's going to happen. God damn it. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Dude, uh, this mic is like a foot away from me right now. <laughs> Stand in the hallway. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, I guess it's a Vietnamese thing. Yeah. Just regardless of where you are. But uh, don't tell people that we hide it in the mattresses. We don't need home invasions. <laughs> they, they hide it in the mattress right by the guns and the machetes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So um, five years, you guys fled in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. Middle of the night. The gold. Carrying all your possessions. And uh, mm -hmm. basically our story is that, you know, the trip from Vietnam to the closest kind of like beach refugee camp that we're taking all of the uh, refugees in. Uh, normally takes about three days or so uh, to go from wherever you're fleeing to where you're trying to get and basically <laughs> what happened was our boat uh, the motor stuffed up halfway mm -hmm. through the trip so we were stranded for in total and the, and the number always changes based upon of <laughs> which <laughs> you're talking to right but it ranges from 13 to 18 days uh -huh. you know yeah, which yeah. is a really significantly long time to to be stranded with uh, you know, ten month year old, four year old and a and a nine year old kid. Oh, it was just <coughs> your family? Well, I had some uncles uh, mm -hmm. and aunties there as well. Not all of them, mm -hmm. uh, but the ones that were kind of like willing to go. Yeah. And okay. bas yeah, basically you kind of if you your boat goes stranded and you've only got three days worth of supplies, mm -hmm. you start running out of food. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And one of the famous kind of 
folklore lines that gets retold at all of the family dinners is my little sister at the time would say to my dad in Vietnamese, why did we leave our country? You know, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm picking rice between the planks on this boat because we've run out of food, you know. And uh, mm -hmm. my father would try to explain to her why we left and all the opportunities and all those kind of things. But, you know, that whole story of running, uh, having your boat basically engine blow up and then running adrift for quite a while We obviously had the pirates come by as well, so I think uh, because of the amount of time that we were spending in the sea. Oh, now there's pirates in this story. Yeah, exactly. Ah. <laughs> it didn't start off with pirates, and now there's pirates. Did, did you not have pirates in your um, story like, as well? You know what? I think if I ask my dad the story enough times, <laughs> there'll be pirates eventually. <laughs> But this was so common because there were thousands of ships yeah, every I, day, didn't yeah. there? I'm not saying it's... Uh, um, didn't happen <laughs> but mm -hmm. also it's like oh how convenient for this story that there's pirates <laughs> <laughs> starvation story first yeah, then yeah, pirates <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta spice it up a little bit <laughs> yeah exactly uh, do you know why they chose Australia and not America mm. to be honest the preference was to go to America uh, a lot of people wanted to go there and Because I was so young, um, the waiting line and the queues to try to go to America could go into the years very easily. Whereas Australia was just, if you want to go, go now. So for my parents, it, it just kind of made sense because I was so young. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Did you understand what was going on as a child? Like, what did your parents tell you was going on? No, not at all. I was only 10 months old at the yeah. time. But, you know, as you're growing up, you, you get retold the story over and over again. And it's a great story. Yeah. All right. So okay. you guys landed in Sydney and then... No. Oh, okay. So we landed in Thailand. Oh. Yeah, we landed in Thailand. And then a lot of the church missionaries and charity groups would then sponsor you to go to Australia. Ah. And most of us kind of ended up in Sydney. Australia. Are you Catholic? No, okay. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> that's how they get you. <laughs> that's how they got a lot of. No, like I'm serious. Like that's how they got a lot of Vietnamese people. That's why there's so many Catholics <laughs> in America right now. Uh, there's a lot also in in Vietnam too. Uh, yeah. But that's how it's a very common thing where it's like, hey, let's sponsor these people. It's like, but you kind of owe God <laughs> a big favor, your immortal soul. <laughs> All right, so you guys are in Thailand, and then what happened? Yeah, then uh, we got sponsored by the church group to go to Australia, and um, me and the family, including uncles and aunties, we all ended up in kind of like a, a refugee detention center or mm -hmm. something like that in Australia, which in which case we kind of waited out for a while, and what was quite nice was the government had quite a few different uh, schemes at the time to try and help uh, the Vietnamese population that was coming through. So they didn't lock you in cages with uh, <laughs> aluminum blankets? <laughs> they started off locking us up in cages in okay. aluminum blankets. And then they eventually moved us off into much nicer accommodation. I see, I see. <laughs> well, at least they did separate you from your parents. <laughs> that's, a good that's a thing here, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty big thing here. It's kind of what we're known for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so you guys are now settled in Australia. Then what happens? Yeah, so um, there I am, young kid, Australia, two siblings, mum and dad. Uh, dad used to be a doctor uh, in Vietnam and mum was a nurse. So we were, I, I guess you could say, quite well off. 
mm -hmm. uh, from Vietnamese perspective and, and being That Vietnam. explains the gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then the pirates <laughs> took uh, it yeah. off. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. the catch. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, you're in Australia and growing up having immigrated to Australia and your parents being used to working um, in kind of like professional jobs, yeah. then being thrust into a country where they don't speak the language and they can't continue to work in the fields that they're in. You know, the only real option back then for a lot of immig Vietnamese immigrants was either factory work or sewing or kind of like labor-intensive stuff. Yeah, you know? like food service industry. Yeah, exactly. Like mom, my mum went down the sewing path mm -hmm. and my dad kind of uh, worked in the factory for the first few years mm -hmm. while he was studying to kind of recertify himself as a doctor. Wow. Mm. Mm. How long before they learned English? Um, or, <laughs> or whatever Australians speak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> English. Um, but basically, they s the English is good, don't get me wrong. And my mum can read and write in English. And my dad actually became a, a cardiologist in the end. Uh, as well, so their English is very good, but it probably took them about eight, eight years or so to to get really proficient. Nice. God mm. damn, like That's you couldn't get away with nothing in your life because <laughs> <laughs> your dad w became a doctor twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> it's crazy. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Star, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The drive is unbelievable, but exactly. for, for you, you're like, ah, oh, this is too hard. It's like, bitch, <laughs> I did this twice. <laughs> <laughs> two languages <laughs> with pirates. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so what was the experience like growing up Vietnamese in Australia? Mm. So, I guess the thing to note is the time period yeah. in which I did that. Like, because in the late 80s, early 90s, or, or in the 80s, in the beginning of the 80s, Australia opened their doors uh, to immigration. And but what kind of immigration? Because well there's always good immigration, yeah. <laughs> and then there's bad immigration. <laughs> I guess that they were actually really open to immigration across the board, but because of what was going on in Vietnam, they found a lot of people from Southeast Asia um, heading. Do you know why way. they opened up immigration? Um, I don't actually. I think a lot of it had to do with uh, a lack of labor and okay. skills okay. Uh, in, in the country as well, but. Um, Luckily for me and uh, for thousands and thousands of Vietnamese and Southeast Asian people, they kind of opened the doors up. And um, what basically happened was because it sounded in theory like a fantastic idea, let's let everyone in, they didn't actually have a lot of the infrastructure necessary mm -hmm. to cater for uh, all of those immigrants coming in all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So what would often happen was the government would place us all in very specific areas and mm -hmm. one of those areas was uh, an area called Cabramatta where the Vietnamese population is uh, and Southeast Asian population is very high you know you walk around the streets and you basically think you're like you're in Vietnam hell yeah <laughs> yeah bingo <laughs> colonize that shit <laughs> yeah all so right so I uh, I imagine it's like the poorest part of Australia that they sent you off to bingo well I I wouldn't say it was the poorest part, but it kind of became a bit like a battle zone, you know, mm -hmm. like because oh. all of the immigrants were there, no one really had proper jobs, everyone's working really late. And, you know, wh what that does to the family unit as well from a Vietnamese perspective is, is pretty heavy because you, you probably know, David, that the Vietnamese family culture is very strong. And when you're put in a situation where you've just immigrated to another country and mum and dad are working, 
um, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours a day, that whole shift in paradigm on, on what the family unit means to a Vietnamese family totally changes. You know? So you were the baby. Yeah. Does that mean like your brother got promoted to like head of the family when the when the parents were gone? <laughs> yeah, well, basically my sister was. So okay. she, she was the that other. makes sense. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And, and she looked after us really well. <laughs> it was really good. Did, uh, was she forced to kind of learn how to take care of the home like at an early age? Absolutely. I mean, the the interesting thing was because we were so poor and grown up so poor, we um, we all kind of helped out with my mum's sewing enterprise, basically. Hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so my, sis- my sister and my brother, they were kind of like sewing, and whenever they would make any mistakes, I was kind of like unpicking <laughs> their uh, their mistakes with a... So you were the supervisor? No. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. You know, I was so five. You call this a thread? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> QA. Hell yeah, keep that child labor in the family, you know what I'm saying? Bingo. <laughs> How long uh, did you guys do that for? Do you remember? Uh, it was at least five or six years. Okay. Yeah, at least five nice. or six years. Wow. So, so their sewing game is strong then? Like, <laughs> like, like you guys don't throw nothing away, you just patch it up? I think they're all traumatized, actually. <laughs> no one wants to sew anything in their entire lives. Oh, yet. in Australia, do they have that blue tin cookie box that they hide all the sewing Oh my in. god, you have that here as well. Yeah. But they're all like those butter cookies yeah. and like and everyone eats the yeah. chocolate one and then, and then you leave the rest. Wow, that cookie thing is international. <laughs> crazy. Uh, Who invented that? That person must be loaded. Right? I don't know, but it's uh, it's good in terms of your reusing uh, like, you know, the tin, right? You're just not throwing it away. <laughs> but at the same time, they should really move from being a cookie company just to be like a container store. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, okay, so uh, did a lot of sewing, family unit. Uh, were you, uh, was it the kids alone a lot? Mm. Like kind of raising each other? Exactly. I had a similar experience. My, uh, my parents divorced early on. So my dad was just doing whatever he was doing, uh, not being in the home. And then my mom, she was working all the time. So my older sister, she would, she would be there. She would be in charge. In, and when I say in charge, it's like um, she would look after my little sister. I would be off in my room just doing like, you know, comic books or watching TV. And uh, she would be the one who answers the phone. That's like whoever, yeah. <laughs> that's what being in charge meant. <laughs> uh, what was your dynamic like? It's, it's pretty funny, actually, because I was very similar. My parents, uh, they divorced when I was quite young as well. Um, and basically, because we were helping out with the sewing quite a lot, my mom was extremely busy uh, doing loads of stuff. And my sister would raise me uh, pretty much with my brother. And, uh, you know, I remember when I was younger, a lot of times I'd be sitting next to her while she was sewing and we'd be talking about loads of stuff. And it kind of really felt like my sister definitely played a big part in kind of what I ended up being as a person. Isn't that crazy? Our parents divorced. It's like they yeah. survived a war. They survived a <laughs> <laughs> like a boat trip with pirates, but they couldn't survive each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you and I, 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 this is where I draw the line. I've had enough of you. <laughs> Do you know why your parents divorced? Um, I, I don't know exactly why, but I kind of remember as well younger, they kind of just didn't get along. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's kind of no surprises. And to be honest, like they're both kind of happy the way they are. Uh-huh. And I'm glad that they divorced, even though I've gone through many years of therapy as a result. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Asian therapy? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's too expensive. I was just joking. Okay. <laughs> That's more like it. <laughs> 
um, does did your parents end up uh, remarrying and having other families? Yeah, so my dad remarried, uh, but my mum didn't. Uh, so loyal, yeah, loyal. <laughs> loyal to the family, loyal to the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so sister was raising you. What was the uh, schooling like? Did you go to a school where it's predominantly Vietnamese people because of the area itself? Mm. Um, what what was kind of quite interesting is I started off. Um, so we all kind of moved to the same place, and then my mother and father decided to move to a slightly different area, in which case I started off my schooling going to a school that was predominantly, you know, Australian white people, you mm-hmm. know, not mm-hmm. many Asians at all. Um, and then as I got older, we then moved quite a number of times, but we eventually moved to back to the Cabramatta area, in which case I then went into a school that was 95% Vietnamese, and the rest were other Southeast Asian areas and maybe a couple of white Australians, but it was, it was quite an interesting experience. How long were you with the uh, whites for? Uh, probably till I was about uh, around 12. 12? Okay, so what was the, uh, wow. what was that like? What was grade school like? Well, tw- yeah, grade school. Yeah, so um, I was hanging out a lot with uh, Aussie people, kind mm-hmm. of used to go to the beach a lot, like I really admired and wanted to be one of those classical surfer Aussie kind of guys, but obviously uh, I wasn't. <laughs> you know? I was naturally much better at ping pong than everyone else. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I really aspired to be like that, and, uh-huh. I, and I clearly felt like an outsider at times. My friends were great growing up, mm-hmm. fantastic. But um, that's kind of what it was like, you know, feeling a little bit different and wanting to fit in with what you saw around you mm-hmm. and all of the people. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what growing up was like. And then when I went to the Vietnamese school, I was like, shit, yeah. these, these guys are my, my people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what's going on here? <laughs> Did they view you differently because you spent so much time with uh, white kids? Absolutely. The funny thing is uh, w- when I transferred to this school and it was called Candyvale High School, Candyville? Yeah, Canley. Canley oh, Vale. Okay. Yeah, I was right next to Caravan. <laughs> I thought you said Candyville. I was like, wow. <laughs> that's so magical. <laughs> um, my, my first day of school. Uh, so when I went to school, I'd show up and you know that the uniform consisted of uh, grey down bottom, which means trousers or shorts, and then uh, blue up top. So I showed up with shorts and then a shirt and what's called a billabong bag. Uh, do you know the brand Billabong? Yeah, it's yeah. a very surfer brand. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I went to kind of like a surfy school. I had a bag with billabong blazoned all mm-hmm. over it. And uh, yeah. then I went to this Asian school <laughs> in my short shorts, which is kind of what all the other Aussies wore, and my socks kind of up to my, almost up to my knees. Yeah. and. My fancy billabong bag thinking, yeah, I'm going to be cool, man. <laughs> and then I walk into this school full of Asians and they're like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> and they could tell because cause I grew up predominantly amongst whites. Yeah. My accent mm-hmm. is, is quite different or a lot more what you might call bogan. You know, in Australian, bogan is a bit feral. It's kind of like country. Oh, know? okay. Yeah, so I think my, my accent was bogan, I looked different, I had a billabong bag, you know. It was just a real culture shock moving into that all-Asian school. I see. Did um, they have a nickname for you? <laughs> no, not really. 
okay. What were the Asian I'd kids wearing? So what the Asian kids were wearing, because... Uh, were they wearing Ao Yai's? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, so this was back when baggy pants uh, was cool, right? Wait, what, <laughs> what, so you're, uh, what year was this? So I'm talking uh, 1994, 95? 94, 95, okay. Yeah, like... I didn't know that trend reached Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and then reached a Vietnamese community <laughs> in <laughs> Australia. <laughs> where they were all wearing baggy pants. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were all wearing baggy pants and oversized jumpers. Oh my God. You know, it, was, yeah. it was huge. And... Uh, you know, we had the Timberland kind of shoes okay. with, uh, with jeans. Peak bad boy. <laughs> yeah, bad. exactly. Tupac and all that. Yeah. It was awesome. Wow. Okay. So America's reach is so strong. <laughs> so strong. <laughs> but to the Vietnamese community out there, like I, I knew that it reached the Vietnamese community on the West Coast. I didn't know it went all the way down to Australia. <laughs> it did. That's wild. <laughs> did you have to switch up your dress? Absolutely. <laughs> 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 it didn't take me long to assimilate, man. Seriously. Did you go to your parents like, I need fubu. All fubu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh. <laughs> Did you know which brand to get? Like your your fashion senses? Yeah, so in Australia, it's like who was your like for your, your first friends? Like did he just like put you on games like okay, we got to ditch these short shorts, <laughs> these knee high socks. <laughs> yeah, totally. He was like, oh, you got you got to ditch all that. You got to be into basketball, which I then started playing basketball. Um, stopped kind of like going to the beach and surfing and all that kind of stuff. So, oh, man. Yeah. That's kind of what you do. But, but I guess what I got in return was Cabra Matter and the cultural experience and the food and all that. Because it was the first time I really felt like I reconnected with the Vietnamese food. You know what it's I mean? It's so funny. Like you went to like a, a white school and then you had to assimilate to white culture. <laughs> and then you had to go to a Vietnamese school and appropriate black culture. <laughs> with a bunch of Asians. It's, it's funny. so wild. <laughs> it's so yeah, true. I mean, the American experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so you got into basketball. You got the community. All right. Yeah. Uh, so you're 13 now. Yeah. About yeah. to go to the high school. Yeah, yeah. And was the high school the Asian high school as well? Yeah, Asian high school. Okay. Well, what was that experience like? Um, same thing. I mean, that that was good because you you kind of got, uh, I guess the word is, introduced to a lot of other cultures in Southeast Asia as well. So. Amongst my cohort of friends, yeah, there was a very strong Vietnamese contingent, but you had Filipinos in the mix there as mm -hmm. well, and Chinese people. And um, that was kind of nice, just hanging out with a big blend of different Asian cultures. So you Did you feel like the strong sense of like Asian-ness? It's like that's what kind of connected us together. And then you had like, you know, variations of here and there. Yeah, like, definitely. Uh, and you're like, oh, let's, uh, I guess we'll go get... Uh, Panset this <laughs> this weekend <laughs> or the next weekend we'll go eat dim sum or whatever because yeah. uh, that was kind of like my experience growing up too it's like uh, i had predominantly asian friends there's like one white guy but yeah. then it's just like you know vietnamese mixed with filipino and then a couple of miscellaneous asian cultures too yeah okay what was your temperament like uh in your adolescence temperament. did you run with the rough crowd Ooh, there were certain times when it could have gone that way because the school that I went to was pretty rough. You know, one of the I mean, roughest. Yeah, you were wearing baggy pants. <laughs> 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 wearing boo <-boo. laughs> 
yeah there, there were times where i was kind of hanging out with some of the wrong people going to play arcade games street fighter and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. i pretty much spent my youth in an arcade uh behind an arcade game you know and um that's kind of where the, all the rough people kind of hang, used to hang out. As Hilarious. Well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, luckily I didn't. I ended up hanging out with a whole bunch of nerds. Um, so I guess going back to your question, temperament-wise, yeah, I kind of grew up not really uh, going to any bad stuff or anything like that, but mm-hmm. just uh, studying, hanging out with the right people, kind of what every Asian parent wants you to do, basically. That sounds about right. <laughs> uh, yeah. you, did you date a nice Vietnamese girl growing up? No, I didn't actually. Uh, I mean, my first girlfriend, she was Cambodian. Um, and yeah, she... How did your parents react to that? I didn't tell them okay, for that's ages. About right. That's about right. That's about right. <laughs> I didn't tell them for ages. But when they found out, uh, they, they weren't, too, weren't too bad about it, actually. Yeah. They didn't mind. I think because you're the third child, they're kind of used to it all. Oh, right now. It's all, it's all I see. Yeah. <laughs> what, did your uh, siblings... Did they bring home non-Vietnamese people? No. Okay. No. Um, they were the good ones. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Black sheep. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my brother kind of married a pharmacist. My sister married a doctor. Oh, God. Yeah. They, they already yeah. checked off all the boxes yeah. right? so by yeah. the time they got to use. <laughs> Cambodian's fine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my parents, tick, tick, tick. The yeah. Vietnamese yeah. dream, yeah. right? <laughs> okay, so... Um, do you remember if you met your Cambodian's girlfriend? Like, I imagine you're not with her right now. Or no, are you? No, okay. No. So, do you remember meeting her parents and what that dynamic was like? Because, um, like, Vietnamese people feel some weird way about Cambodians. It's mm, like they look mm. down on them. <laughs> Even yeah. though, like, they're damn near the same. <laughs> right like, next door. <laughs> <laughs> like, right next door. You're like, ew. Uh, but I wonder how, like, uh, maybe the Cambodians view the Vietnamese. No, I mean, like, her parents, um, you know, were quite progressive. So, didn't really have any of those attitudes towards Vietnamese people at all. And uh, mm-hmm. actually, her, her father was uh, a white dude. So, very progressive. Okay, <laughs> too progressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, did you only have, like, that one girlfriend throughout high school? Yeah, throughout high school, that was the one girlfriend. And then, you know, went a little bit crazy after that. <laughs> when oh, you went hit. through a whole phase? <laughs> yeah, went through a whole phase. <laughs> <laughs> so you go to college? Yeah, okay. so I went to college and I started dating this girl. And uh, she was five years older than me uh, at the nice. time. Yeah, and she was uh, actually organizing Asian dance parties uh, back at the time. So I used to kind of... You know, being her boyfriend, started helping out with organizing Asian dance parties in mm-hmm. Sydney, which were a thing uh, back in those days, you know. Right? Pretty what big. kind of dance? So you would have basically two DJs mm-hmm. and one would play R&B <coughs> and then later on they would play something like trance or something along those okay. lines. So yeah. same shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But room full of Asians, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, let's circle back to a little bit when your childhood. So sure. uh, did you continue hanging around uh, white people or was it like exclusively Asian once you grew up a little bit older? Like did you just abandon all your white friends? Yeah, like uh, because I moved to a different geographic area and mm-hmm. you're so young, I kind of did abandon them, but mm-hmm. y- you had no choice really because you couldn't get to them. But, <clears throat> you know, when I did go to that Asian school, I definitely hung out with a lot more Asians. You know, it wasn't until I went to work mm-hmm. or university that changed. So di- so you, you came into like this Asian community and people looked at you uh, 
would it be fair to describe you as whitewashed, like the way they saw you? Definitely. Okay. And Definitely. then how long did it take for you to uh, unwhitewash yourself? <laughs> uh, probably took about six months. Oh, that's a long. Yeah, you know, you try to assimilate as quickly as possible yeah. in high school, right? Yeah, I would have <laughs> thought it was like the second you put on those baggy jeans. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, growing up in America, there like Asian Americans, it's a little bit different now that I've uh, moved to New York and uh, got to speak with so many East Coast Asians. Mm. Uh, so on the West Coast, um, because I lived in San Jose, which is like so uh, a lot of Asian, uh, Vietnamese people specifically. Um, there's this term I just uh, I've been learning about. It's called third culture kid. Uh, I think Emron, you're a third culture kid. Yep. Okay. Can you describe what a third culture kid is? Uh. Basically, a third culture kid is somebody who is exposed to three different cultures. It's usually a person who has a culture at home, a culture at school, and then a different culture that surrounds them. So it usually yeah. means like if you're in a different country and then you're of uh, like, so you are trying to fit in at school, but then you have to try to fit in at home, which is also a different culture. And then your parents have immigrated to somewhere else, which you are also trying to learn and assimilate to. So there's three different cultures and you trying to move in between all three of them kind of creates this kind of person who feels like they can move in between all of them but doesn't belong to any of them at the same time okay. if that makes sense so i don't think i was a third culture kid because it was like uh the culture i had at home yes my parents uh was one dynamic but my siblings uh the way i would interact with them would be kind of like the same way i would interact with my schoolmates because everybody was asian like i went to a predominantly asian school too and then i didn't because I did, there was no mode of transportation like uh, public transportation in san jose is terrible and my parents wouldn't let me uh have money so i couldn't <laughs> move around anywhere it's like it, like those were like the two communities i would have is like home and school and so like uh, i didn't have to code switch for lack of a better word you know it, it yeah. was a more seamless transition so I didn't have that kind of sense where I didn't belong anywhere because I felt welcomed. Uh, like I didn't fit in just because of who I was, but it's not like I felt othered, you know? Did you have that sense growing up in, like, in, in Australian culture? Like, what is that like? Yeah, like when you were describing that, Imran, I was just, just thinking in my head, it's just so true. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how many culture kid I am, but basically from what you're describing, it's... Um, when, when you're growing up and you're hanging out with kind of white Aussie kids and you suddenly become very assimilated towards that, then you're hanging out with Asians and then you're right, you feel like that, that culture and identity is that way. Then you're hanging out at home and you kind of have your home culture as well. And then you have your work culture and many other different cultures. And um, <clears throat> you end up, I do, when you think about it, I, I do feel like I've lost a little bit of my identity because there are so many different facets to it. But equally, my identity is probably that I am a citizen of the world and mm -hmm. I've lived in London right. and, you know, mm -hmm. living in New York and many other things. So, you know, you're spot on when you talk. Well, about let that. me ask you this. Do you have an easy time, I, like, making friends? Like, do you have a really easy time, like, just understanding people regardless of where they're from? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's the, one, th one of the strengths. That's, yeah, that's one of the... Um, I think one of the benefits is because you get exposure to a lot of stuff at a younger age. It's a lot easier for you to make friends as you grow up. Oh, and this explains why I'm terrible at social gatherings. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I grew up in a very homogenized society, so like, I only know my own. So <laughs> if I uh, see Vietnamese people, like, that's, I, I gravitate towards them. It's like, okay, like, gotcha. it's like, I feel like this person would get me, or at least I would get them. 
but everybody else is like, no, <laughs> I, I don't understand you at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's interesting. That's interesting. Right. When you were hanging out with white kids, did that cause any conflicts with your parents? Did it, were they mad at you? It was like, why are you trying to be so white? No, I don't think so. Okay. No, they wouldn't have had kind of any of those real qualms, mm -hmm. uh, to be honest, because they're also busy working on that stuff. I kind of just used to hang around the neighborhood uh, with my friends. And they were kind of unaware a lot of the times with what kind of nationalities I was hanging out with. They just kind they of they didn't question the short shorts at all. Did <laughs> 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 so they question the baggy pants and, <laughs> and they the did start to question okay, that yeah, actually because yeah. they couldn't understand yeah, yeah. why I was suddenly wearing pants that were like size thirty six waist <laughs> when I'm like only a twenty eight. You know, because <laughs> when you're growing up and you can't really afford the proper baggy pants, you just buy bigger ones. Uh oh. <laughs> Was there, uh, so in America's like very multi-ethnic, multicultural, mm -hmm. uh, I would say in the West Coast, the, the people who get shitted on the most, uh, it's probably black people, but also a lot of Mexicans. Uh, did, what was Australia's dynamic like? So, you know, you have the white people running things who were the white people mad at most of the time. Was it the besides, aboriginals? Besides, besides the <laughs> aborigines. Yeah. <laughs> It says a crocodile all over the goddamn place. <laughs> it's kind of, um, it, talk, it, it differs by generation, right? So when I was growing up, the Vietnamese people were definitely in the media a lot mm -hmm. when it came to drugs, crime, and, you know, all those bad things because all the immigrants coming through and getting put into one area with very little infrastructure to kind of deal with that. Yeah, and all the pirates, they had <coughs> yeah, to go somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but little did they know that there was just so much gold in those. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't check the mattress. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, the what are we talking about again? <laughs> uh, who did white people hate? Yeah, that's right. In Australia. Yeah. So, the, so the Vietnamese people, we we got it pretty tough back in my day. Um, and was there like systemic stuff? Like they wouldn't give you loans or? Um, I don't think it was that bad, okay. to be honest. But there was okay. a period where, you know, the, the one and only political assassination in Australia <laughs> was actually a Vietnamese guy shooting a... Hell uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Let them know. <laughs> a politician called John Newman. Um, and, th and that was a really sad time. And also, it, it brought a lot of grief to Vietnamese people. Oh, know? why is that? Because we already didn't have a very good reputation I see, because I see. of what had happened I and, and all the immigration that was there. Ah. Um, and then someone goes and shoots a politician, you know, it didn't really kind of help. Do you the know goals. why he shot the politician? For his own political gain, basically. So he was one of the other MPs running for office as well. Oh. I know. Okay, so yeah. like a candidate. So he's <laughs> like a poor loser. That's yeah. exactly yeah. what he is. So it was <laughs> like a candidate shot another candidate. Yeah. Yeah. That's all Vietnamese, though. <laughs> <laughs> Don't miss okay, that's wild. Okay, uh, all right. So this this assassination happens. Uh, how long before things smooth out? And then who do white people, uh, who are they upset with now in Australia? Um, oh, it's tricky because I haven't been back to Australia and lived to live there for, ah. for like 14 years. Okay. So it's difficult for me to comment on that but Syrians <laughs> you're probably not far off I mean like uh, one of the other ethnic groups in Australia that also has a difficult time Lebanese people mm -hmm. and the interesting thing is Lebanese people are fantastic people all the Lebanese people that I've met are amazing but Lebanese yeah. people in Australia 
tend to have a bad reputation, similar to how the Vietnamese did back in the day, of being a little really? bit more rough. Yeah, absolutely. That's, wow, because I grew up around Lebanese, and they're known to be like partiers. Yeah, right. So, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that they were considered threatening somewhere else, but. Okay. I mean, it, it depends on the the group mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. Obviously, generalizing, but they yeah. do have quite a um, the bad reputation in Australia, along with how the Vietnamese still to this day. Yeah, still to this day. Those are okay. Okay. How long have you been? Okay, well, I mean, this is a good question to ask you. So you've been in London, you've been in America for a little bit. How long have you been in America? Three years. Three years, and then you've Three obviously years. been in Australia for a long time. Do you get a sense that white culture is the same? regardless of where you go or is there like variances and what we like to do here is uh we like to rank people all the time so <laughs> who has the good white people and who has the worst white people we're more interested in who's the worst but go yeah. on. I mean, and they're all the worst but of the worst <laughs> who's the least worst <laughs> so oh god where do you start so I guess the interesting thing is if, if, if you were to talk about kind of white people in the different countries that I've lived in, mm -hmm. um, let's talk about similarities, right? Yeah. So l the interesting thing, when I was in England and the whole Brexit thing happened, uh, I was there while the vote was happening and there were quite a lot of uh, effectively rural votes going towards the Brexit vote because the... Mm -hmm. The primary theme there was, oh, let's close off our doors. We don't want to let all these Eastern Europeans in from an immigration perspective. So you had a lot of what you might call country voters voting for Brexit. Always oh, these goddamn country people ruin <laughs> everything. <laughs> and then, um, you know, you might call them, you know, UK rednecks or something like that. Yeah. So Brexit happens and then I actually leave the country and then come to the US and the Trump elections happen, <laughs> you know, and... <laughs> As I'm watching this, it was pretty much exactly the same I thing happening. I think sad politics just follow you, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> First the assassination, <laughs> then Brexit, <laughs> then Trump. That's my fault. You just destabilize yeah, everywhere you, you go. <laughs> Can you just move to China real quick? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm on it. <laughs> Let's go. China then Korea, right? <laughs> all right. So uh, all these political instabilities happen. All right. So similarities in that. Uh, what other similarities have you noticed with the whites? <laughs> <laughs> um, ooh, well, I guess the, the other similarity might be that the elite mm -hmm. in any of these countries mm -hmm. are super elite, yeah. right? Like totally different level. You don't even, you can't even comprehend how elite <laughs> they can possibly be. And there's a very big gap between them and the rest of the country. And okay. The middle class. All right. What about the food? White people have terrible food. <laughs> <laughs> the British have the worst. The British have the worst. That's, that's dope. <laughs> what is Australian food? You know, that's interesting because Australia is quite... Outside of Vietnamese food, you can't like, you know, I don't want that. Uh, it's like, it's all <laughs> ethnically uh, gotcha, integrated. Gotcha. I don't want that <laughs> nonsense. It's just like, what do white people eat? Right, gotcha. Where they're not, you know... You know, trying Chinese food for the weekend or something like that. You know, I guess that we get a lot of influence. If you're talking about purely Australian white people food, it's um, the influence is largely from Britain because okay. everyone were basically convicts uh, coming over from England uh, into Australia. Right. So, you know, eating pies is very big there. You know, like meat pies. Yeah, meat okay. pies. Meat pies are fantastic. What kind of meat? 
Uh, it'd be normally beef, but you know, you can go to some fancy pants places and they'll give you different stuff like you know, ostrich or chicken. <laughs> uh, the stereotype in America is white people don't like to season their food. True. <laughs> okay, so it's a true yeah, in true. Australia? Like salt and pepper, that's it. <laughs> that's what you call seasoning, you know? Like, what's this soy so sauce shit? True. <laughs> <laughs> So there's some things are just universal, I suppose. Okay. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> okay. Uh, so pies, Australian people like to eat pies. Yeah, they like to eat pies. Um, you know, typical things. Hot dogs are also kind of quite big there, but okay. not as big as they are here. But pies are really big. Uh, lamb roast, okay. like that's a big thing. There used to be this uh, advertisement uh, in Australia where. Uh, it was all about a lamb roast and a mother was kind of saying to her daughter that hey I'm cooking a lamb roast tonight and uh, the daughter would say um, something about going on a date and she'd choose to have the lamb roast over going on a date you know and that was kind of one of these really big iconic Australian meals the lamb roast what were some uh, fast food like what's like some Australian exclusive fast food that you like there's not in anywhere else yeah, so we have something, and it's funny, every time I go to Australia, I kind of tick these boxes. Mm-hmm. And one of these boxes is a burger with the lot. And a burger with the lot is basically a burger, as you guys know with it. With salt and pepper. <laughs> 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 uh, as you guys know, with uh, kind of like your beef patty yeah. and cheese, yeah. but it also has beetroot it has uh, pineapple it has an egg it has bacon it has barbecue sauce Mm. uh, lettuce tomato so it's a huge humongous burger and you can only get that in Australia what's the uh, brand called it's not actually a brand like you can go to any takeaway shop in Australia and say I'll have a burger with the lot and they'll know exactly what it is. Okay. Uh, so, the, so the lot just basically means everything. Shitloads, okay. basically. Yeah. Okay. What is okay. the, the kind of like the, the McDonald's of Australia, if there is one? It's McDonald's. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough variation there. Okay. Oh, like it's McDonald's, definitely. Okay. So I, I have a question. I wanted to circle back a little bit. But sure. um, can you, so living in the US and London and Australia, can you tell that the Australians were convicts at some point? Like, can you, like, is there something, like, is there something within the culture that you'd be like, yeah, I, I get it. Like, I can see it now. Like they play a lot of Akon. <laughs> <laughs> it's been 200 years, you know, since Australia. Um, no, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can really tell. Australia I mean, is only 200 years old? Correct. Oh. Correct. Or maybe may a bit over 200, 205 or something like that, but not that okay. old. A little older than I thought, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the British got rid of them quick. <laughs> yeah, basically, if you if you caused the crime in uh, England, you were sent over to Australia, mm-hmm. ended up being a convict. But do, uh, do they carry that around, or are they proud of it? No, I, don't, I wouldn't say we carry it around or we're proud of it. I can Australians have their own identity uh-huh. now, definitely. Now, okay. you know. so what is that? Um, I mean, if you're you gotta, s- you got to fight the biggest dude in the yard, <laughs> get <in> jail. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're Australian, I guess first you're proud of being Australian, you know, mm-hmm. okay. very kind of like patriotic kind of place. But you're also proud of living in a country which, you know, a lot of people call the lucky country because you get access to so many great things, whether very good weather, uh, fantastic opportunities to, to grow up and have good education. And people are really proud of that. Uh, they're also proud of kind of like the multiculturalism. Uh, that is Australia is starting to adopt 
Well, it, it was a little bit difficult when I was growing up, absolutely, with you know running into quite a few bits of racism here and there. But by and large now, I think Australia is certainly getting better, although I know Australians have quite a bad reputation uh, for being racist as well from time to time. What is Australian racism like? Because mm. um, in America, it's pretty aggressive. Uh, just historically, you have you know groups like uh, the KKK where they put crosses yeah, on lawns. That's hectic. What is <laughs> like? Do Australians look like look at that? Like, whoa, that's aggressive. No, I, d- I don't think Australian racism is that aggressive at all. I mean, when I was growing up, it was a bit more vocal. You okay. know, like I definitely was called Ching Chong from time to time. Goddamn lazy whites. <laughs> 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 Even in Australia, they call you that. Yeah, right? God damn it! <laughs> uh, were there any? When they, when they called you that, were you like, "Dude, I'm not Chinese. Like, why are you?" Doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I basically just said, "Fuck off." You know. <laughs> what, what uh, are there any exclusive Australian racial racial slurs? Ooh. Yeah. Um. I mean, there, there's a lot of words in Australia which people use which aren't to them very racist but if you say the same thing in another country it's like holy shit like, oh like what so in australia uh there's a term commonly used as a wog and a wog is basically just kind of like an italian it's slightly derogatory over the time but when i was growing up people just used to call each other that it was, it was sure. fine okay um but if you say that in uh, the uk that's a very derogatory term towards uh black people in the uk oh <laughs> I remember I had a, a friend over who was visiting when I was living in the UK and she was talking quite loudly on the bus and she was talking about her, her wog friends in such a really nice way and she just kept saying it. And I was like, hey, you, you can't say that <laughs> shit here, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay. you know, there's some, some quite racist things with against Aborigines in Australia. Like Aborigines in Australia had a very tough time, very similar story to, I guess, the American Indians. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, stories of um, basically raping, mass raping, genocide, and, and trying to um, effectively wash the culture out of the Aboriginal culture by effectively raping and doing bad things. Mm-hmm. You know? How do Vietnamese people, like, uh, Vietnamese people out here, uh, racist, <laughs> all right? Like, they love their, their own. Uh, but they kind of look down on other Asians, uh, <laughs> and then they're like very uh, racist towards blacks and brown people. Uh, they don't really like whites, but they'll stay close to whites because you know they're the dominant culture. And so, like the closer you get to dominant culture, then the closer you get to being dominant. You know, mm-hmm. what is that like? Like what if what was the racial dynamic within the Vietnamese community in Australia? You know, that's that's a tough one because um, I, I know it at a high level, mm-hmm. but because I grew up hanging out with white people mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, my, my family dynamic was we didn't really talk too much with other large Vietnamese communities. Um, mm-hmm. I guess a lot of things you were saying around uh, Vietnamese people kind of looking down on other races, mm-hmm. ex- exactly the same kind okay. of deal, you know, and... Uh, of putting up uh with a lot of the things that would happen from a white race perspective same kind of deal as well okay it's really quite interesting you know we grew up uh so many thousands of miles away from each other but we sound like we've had very similar experiences that's one thing i noticed uh traveling um 
and because when I go somewhere, uh, I try to seek out the Vietnamese community because I'm fascinated with how other Vietnamese communities live. Yeah. And what I've noticed is, uh, within all communities, really, is that how well you can transfer what uh, what you know to another location. And I first noticed this when I went to Chicago and we went to like the Vietnamese mall. It's like just one small shopping center, yep. but it looks like every Vietnamese shopping center I've ever been to. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it's just fascinating. Like the just the, the decor is just like they built this like familiarity uh, amongst themselves, and like everywhere you go where there is a strong like I went to Philadelphia not too long ago, and it's like the same thing. Like you walk <laughs> into a Vietnamese restaurant, and it's like you walk into any other Vietnamese <laughs> restaurant you've ever been <laughs> That's to. So true. It's like there's a counter, uh, there's like that gold cat, <laughs> there's like that bamboo plant, there's a little shrine. <laughs> With the incense, it's like goddamn it! It's pictures like pictures of horses. <laughs> oh, so that's uh, one thing I like to ask Vietnamese people: is just like how similar our household was. So, uh, in uh, I like to see if you had certain Vietnamese things in your house that translated. <laughs> right. All right. So one thing that uh, I think a lot of Vietnamese people have is like a clock shaped like Vietnam. <laughs> Did you have <laughs> that's that? So funny. <laughs> <laughs> And my uncle's had one, but okay. my, my dad didn't. He wanted to be different. And he God got damn, your dad <laughs> <laughs> deprived you of that. He got a proper wooden old school <laughs> one to go ding dong, ding dong. <laughs> okay, there's pictures of horses, yeah. right? It's like it's kind of like a lacquer painting where horses running through water, <laughs> or it's like bamboo growing. Okay. <laughs> Did you have like a calendar that tears off? <laughs> we totally had a girl okay. Yeah, and then you had like <laughs> random phone numbers written. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My dad would put passwords for his stuff <laughs> yeah, on yeah, that yeah. calendar because yeah. it would always be there. Okay. Uh, you had a shrine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see what else do <laughs> the Vietnamese people tend to have. Just like a lot of. Uh, wor- the superstitions were your parents very superstitious? No, my parents weren't superstitious mm. at all. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, like, uh, with me, when my parents, uh, when my mom uh, w- picked the house, it has to, like, the door has to face a certain direction. Oh, Otherwise, really? bad luck. Ah. But it sounds like you didn't have that issue. No, okay. No. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Then. All right. Did, you, did your parents uh, put uh, saran wrap around your remote controls? Remote control, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what about plastic around your uh, yeah? Your, I mean, your couch now. <laughs> I didn't have a nice enough couch to have that. <laughs> <I don't think. laughs> uh, my parents, uh, my mom, she grew up with this uh, fear of scarcity. You know, because right. coming from the traumatic experience of the war, it's mm-hmm. she didn't. She would always be afraid to not have enough, yeah. so she would just bring in things all the time. So we had like all this <laughs> random furniture. Did your parents have any kind of like that trauma? Definitely. And, and, it, <laughs> and it came on to me. If you look at my house, I've probably got about 20 Colgate fucking toothpaste tubes. <laughs> a cupboard full of toilet paper, you know, just in case. <laughs> Did you have like do a... You, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask, do you have uh, a lot of stuff? Like, do you travel lightly? Because it sounds like you move a lot. So it's like, how do you, like, what's in your house? Um, you know, like, uh, I normally do travel quite light, but when you're, yeah. you're moving to another country, like when I came here, I literally came here with, uh, three suitcases and that's it. <clears throat> and kind of had to build everything from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over the years you start to accumulate a lot of shit. Yes, <laughs> you know, crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, definitely travel light. But <clears throat> do you, do you hoard it? 
or do you throw it away? Do you throw oh, a lot of your stuff away? I don't throw much stuff out. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the Vietnamese way. No, it's not. My just girlfriend can't understand it. <laughs> How do you feel about throwing away food? Because like I hate it. Yeah. You know, my girlfriend just throws away food. I don't throw away food at all, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's I'll, like, I'll, I'll stay in the I'll eat it. I'll eat it. Like unless something's growing on it, it's like I'll eat <laughs> yeah. it or I'll cut it off and then I'll <laughs> eat around it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, cut it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one time uh, I caught my girlfriend throwing away food and like she just. She looked like she just uh, committed a crime. <laughs> In my eyes, she did. <laughs> she knows better. <laughs> okay, uh, back to ranking white people. Who is <laughs> the best? So British people have the worst food, okay? Yeah. It sounds like Americans are the most racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. I, although I haven't really experienced much racism here. It's been, been quite good. I've only been here three just years. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry. When Trump gets elected 2020, <laughs> it's going to set off. <laughs> um, but uh, do you get a sense of like uh, which white people kind of carry themselves better <laughs> compared to other white people? Oh, I mean, uh, when when you talk about British people, they're always well known to be very polite. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you you kind of carrying yourself better like that, they're definitely much more polite and. You know, when I came to New York, I was just surprised at how rude people were. <laughs> what know? does that mean to you, rude people? Uh, rude means little things like uh-huh. they bump into you and uh-huh. don't apologize. Uh-huh. Okay. They, uh, as you're getting off a train, they don't wait for you to get off. They kind of just is jump weird, in. That is weird, though. You know? like, I think other New Yorkers hate that when <laughs> they don't wait for you to get off <laughs> yeah. before they enter. That doesn't happen in England, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, people are much more polite. Japan than. either. They're very you know, yeah. polite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Emran, you got it something? I do. I it's more of a TCK question. What is that? Um, TCK. It's, well, it's more like I really haven't had. Oh, is that third culture kid? Ah. Yeah, third culture kid. Sorry. Yep. Don't start using um. acronyms <laughs> for that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but um, one of the uh, main issues with TCKs is no, no, that no, no, no. Third culture kid. Sorry, third culture kid is that they constantly are dealing with loss because you're constantly Ooh. moving, and so. With me, I have this thing where, to me, I always believe friendships end the second I don't see you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody moves, it's like, it's not that you won't be friends anymore. It's just hard to maintain a friendship when you don't see somebody day in and day out. Do you believe that's true? Like, are you still really good friends with the people that you are back in Australia or back in London? Or is it just kind of like you pick up when you left off when you see them? You know, that's interesting because... uh you know, I've lived my life, and when I was in Australia, I moved around a lot when I was young. You know, yeah. probably at least eight or nine times before we kind of settled to the final place. And then Is it because uh, the people who was renting the house would, like, make you move? Because <laughs> that's what happened to so me. how do you know this <laughs> yeah. stuff, man? What? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, that we'd have beef with neighbors, yeah. or there'd be something wrong, yeah. Yeah. something that they did, and then we'd move straight they away. I know where our gold is. We gotta go. <laughs> 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 like uh, uh, for me a lot of times is uh we wouldn't keep up the house for the people because yeah, it's yeah. like it's not our house what do i care about what your lawn looks like <laughs> it's like you pay me to keep up your lawn then <laughs> so and then after that we just like okay we've had enough with this guy <laughs> bye that's funny <laughs> yeah so imran you're asking about uh tck right yeah so it's just more like how do you view friendships do you believe mm. that they're like do you have an easy time maintaining friendships or is it just once you leave, you're just like, we're still friends, but when I see you, we'll pick back up. Yeah, because I've had so many different groups of friends in my life, and I've acquired and kind of lost friends on a consistent, regular basis. 
it's very hard to keep in regular contact with a lot of them but a lot of them know and, and they know who they are kind of the ones that you have very close connections with so the moment you come back into contact with them even though you haven't spoken to them for quite a while or even text them right. you're kind of like best buddies all over again you know and, and that's really nice yeah that that makes sense so how how often do you try to make new friends is so like when you move somewhere new like how how do you look for new friends so that's that's interesting because when i came to new york i came pretty much on my own uh i knew a couple of people uh that were here or that were friends of friends but no one that i was kind of like hanging out with on a regular basis so i had no choice but to try and make friends and i i feel like i've done that regularly so many times in my life as friends kind of come and go um So How do you pick up new friends? <laughs> What's the opening line? <laughs> <laughs> you be my friend. <laughs> no. um, I mean, like I, I go out to bars a lot and kind of mingle with other people. And to be honest, uh, I've got a, a strong group of friends here in in New York, but they're all Australian, you know. And you kind of gravitate towards your own people. Mm -hmm. And ironically, they're Australian and they're Asian as well. So. It's a lot easier when you kind of meet someone, and that first two-minute conversation you have with them, you can kind of talk about a couple of things. Then suddenly you're buddies, you know. Mm -hmm. Do your are your siblings the same way? Slightly different, actually, because it, it. I think it feels like they grew up in a slightly different generation. You know, like the the four or five years between me and my brother feel like they're vast, in terms of how we deal with social interactions. Um, like I know he, he's never. Probably been to a nightclub in his entire life, whereas I used to run parties at nightclubs when I was in my <laughs> early twenties. <20s. laughs> you know? um, He's like, "You never dated a woman five years old?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What? <laughs> uh, so, did you find a Vietnamese community out in London? Um, there, there are actually. Yeah, okay. There are Vietnamese communities, but they were based around. So there's an area in, in London called Kingsland Road, and it's basically one strip where. Uh, you have loads of different Vietnamese shops and um, Vietnamese restaurants, and a lot of the kind of like white people kind of go there for whitewashed Vietnamese food <laughs> as well. Uh, but some of the restaurants there are also pretty good. But over there, the Vietnamese community isn't that big. Mm -hmm. Certainly, nowhere near as big as Australia, and nowhere near as big as uh, the US as okay. well. Did you date in London? Uh, yeah, I was kind of I was dating a girl in London, and mm -hmm. we were in a relationship for quite a long time. <laughs> and have you dated out in the states yet? I have, okay. <laughs> I have, totally different. Yeah, days. I was going to ask you, like, what is it like dating yeah. in uh, Australia versus London versus New York, and does your accent help? Oh, absolutely! <laughs> 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 the, the, the quicker you can convert, like. Going from a dating app in New York to a conversation, the better. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, all right. So, tip yeah. for uh, Asian dudes out there who are struggling in America: pick up <laughs> an Australian accent. <laughs> Good day, mate. How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> the amount of times, like, uh, I was on dates uh, early on when I arrived to New York, and uh, girls would say, "Oh my God, your accent is so cute." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> in Australia, they think I'm feral. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> This is awesome. <laughs> What does a posh Australian accent sound like? Can you do it? Oh my god, I don't know what a posh Australian accent looks like. Because I know like. in uh, London or what is that called, the UK? 
There's like yeah. different kinds of uh, English accents. Absolutely. Some sound like more, I guess. The Queen. Yeah, <laughs> right. like the Queen's English. Yeah. Or yeah. there's like Cockney, I think, is the most uh, well-known kind mm -hmm. of... Uh, British accent. Well, yeah. not, not British accent, but what was that word? Feral, yeah, <laughs> for lack yeah. of a better word, for like, you know, commoners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess you speak the commoners. <laughs> yeah. I guess the, the commoners. You're closer Australian to the accent. convicts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that the, they would call that as the bogan accent. Okay. You know what I mean? So I guess there's, you're either, you either have a bogan accent, so it's very strong country, crocodile dundee style, you know ah, what I mean? Yeah, okay. yeah that's, that's kind of like bogan. And then non-bogan is the rest of us is basically. that like Hugh Jackman yeah exactly okay. <laughs> bingo <laughs> is, uh, is Steve Irwin your hero <laughs> man honestly like when he died it was a very sad moment because he was such an ambassador for Australia and yeah. we knew that and he was such a good guy as well so absolutely I I'd say he's my hero definitely okay so okay. dating in the states right now with your accent goes a long way yeah, so when I was dating in the in the US, um, oh, you, you know, shutting that down now? Are yeah. you booed up? <laughs> I do have a girlfriend. Okay. I do have a girlfriend, but you know, when I was dating, uh, I definitely did try to play up the Australian thing uh -huh. as much as possible because it kind of like sets you apart from the rest. You uh -huh. know? Yeah. What What does that mean to you? Like, what did you do to set yourself besides the accent? What else did you do? And did you feel like uh, you weren't a person and you were just an accent to somebody? <laughs> <laughs> just with me because of my accent <laughs> I wish <laughs> um, no so I mean like you would definitely use it as a strategy uh -huh. like if you're at a nightclub or at your bar the sooner you can continue to talk uh, with a strong Australian accent and luckily for me I can kind of turn on a bit of a British accent as well Ooh. so depending Ooh. upon <laughs> can we hear it well, well it depends on what you're after uh. Okay, so it's like, can you s say something in, I guess, with the British accent? It's like, I want to buy a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'd like to buy a sandwich. That's the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you Americans are the same. <laughs> can you say, get out of my country? In <laughs> <laughs> get out of my country. <laughs> if you were saying it in Australian, get out of my country, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it sounds less refined. It sounds yeah, less exactly. Refined. Get out of my country. Get out of my country. <laughs> Can you do an American accent? Oh my god, I probably do a terrible one. Like, Hallelujah! I have exorcised the demon. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> uh, are there any accents that you find attractive? Ooh. You know, the funny thing is, I quite like the American West Coast accent. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like L.A. accent? Yeah, okay. absolutely. L.A. accent. Like a, va like a valley girl? <laughs> bingo. Bingo. Because I think okay. we grew up idolizing America quite a lot. You mm -hmm. used to watch 90210 mm -hmm. and all those shows. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we definitely thought the American accent was cool and sexy. Interesting. Yeah, it's like uh, I grew up in the Bay Area uh, on in California. We grew up hating LA. So <laughs> really, that you know what uh, accent I do find attractive is uh, Northern Vietnamese accent. Oh wow, because it's like nice and soft. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. Do they have like a Northern Vietnamese slash American accent kind of twang to it? I like? don't 
think so, but maybe. Mm. But it's just when they speak like straight up Vietnamese, and it's like the northern accent. I think it's a uh, well, and I think in Vietnam, and I could be mistaken, but like the northern accent is considered the fancy accent. Right. Yeah. yeah. But then it's the southern accent, and then the middle, like with that way <laughs> accent, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So now you're in America. How do you like America? And um, what brought you here, by the way? Uh, I mean, I'd spent 10 years in London and, uh, you know, things were going good and, you know, I kind of wanted... And Brexit happened. You're like, <laughs> I gotta get the fuck out of here. Exactly. <laughs> this country's fucked. No, yeah. and, and I kind of wanted to change uh, in life, really. And where do you go after you spend 10 years in a country like London? You know, and uh, it was either going to be Hong Kong or, um, or the US, New York. So... I settled for New York. I figured I could always go to Hong Kong if I really wanted to at a later stage. But, you know, New York is an amazing city. It's, it's always on. Yeah. And, you know, you always are doing different things, meeting different people. And that energy that you get from this, this city is like no other. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't expect it to be as, as cool and vibrant as it was and how much better it was than what I felt London was. Oh, really? What's yeah. Okay, so it's just the liveliness, the constant, um, it's never off, the city never sleeps, obviously. Is it, what, like, what What do you want at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Hello, brothers. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I mean, like, the. I think the big difference is that, uh, I mean, I was in London for 10 years. I love that city. And what was great about living in London was you got to experience a lot of Europe. You know, we would do weekend trips uh, to places like Amsterdam or Greek islands or Spain because it's only like three hour, two or three hours flight away. You yeah, know, really it's so close. cheap. It's like, you know, a hundred bucks or something like that. Bingo, bingo, really cheap. So part of the whole London experience was being able to see so many different countries in Europe and experience the cultures and the food. Um, but the city itself, if you compare London City to New York City, uh, New York is always has something on. Uh, whereas in London, you're pretty much only going out Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's kind of like the big difference. Yeah, people hang out like on a Tuesday. <laughs> exactly. Like they have work, but they don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> because it's like the things are like that are happening on a Tuesday night it's still very cool compared yeah. to like like you don't have to wait till the weekend before something cool happens that's very much like the Bay Area too or any, I think anywhere right. else it's just you know Thursday through Saturday that's when people in the Bay go out it's like it's very hard to people get people to go out on a Sunday night yep. through uh, Wednesday yeah. is that still true Emron? yeah that's not true. yeah that's still true very true nothing's changed why why were you considering Hong Kong um, so a lot of my friends that I went to uh, London with, uh, instead of going home, they just decided to go to Asia. Uh -huh. Some of them went to Singapore, but a majority of them went to Hong Kong. So when I wanted that kind of like life change, I thought to myself, well, do I go somewhere where I've got a lot of my friends there and I can kind of naturally fit into a group? Or do I go somewhere new mm -hmm. and kind of like challenge myself a little bit with no friends at all? <laughs> okay. And I thought I'd go for the New York option. You know? okay. And I don't regret it. I love it. Okay. New York's fantastic. Cool. <clears throat> so you said you would go and visit um, European countries. Mm -hmm. Did you ever seek out the Vietnamese community in other European countries? Because I know there's a lot in France and then I know there's some in Germany. Mm. Uh, and I think there's some in Czechoslovakia. 
Interesting. Because of the whole communism thing. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. So like a lot of communists <laughs> would go like back and forth yeah, and yeah. settle in small communities. Yeah. I know there's like uh, next year I want to go to Vietnam or I'll go to like Paris and Berlin because I want to see like what the Vietnamese community is like in Berlin. Mm. I want to know if you got to experience any of that. I mean, one, one of the things I do a lot when I do travel is if you do, uh, if I am going to a country where there is a lot of Vietnamese people, I'll try the food. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily seek out to understand the culture and all that kind of stuff, but every time I'd go to pa- Paris, I'd mm-hmm. definitely go to the Vietnamese area um, and kind of like try the pho and yeah. get get some uh, pork rolls yeah. and bun me tits, basically. So I would definitely, I've been to the Vietnamese area in Paris, I've been to the Vietnamese area in Berlin. Surprisingly, Berlin's cool. You know, the, the Vietnamese area there, they've got a lot of really nice restaurants and nice fusion kind of takes on a, a lot of the classics that you and I know and love. Have you visited the West Coast, like California yet? I have. Okay. Which Vietnamese community has the best Vietnamese food? Ooh, I'll say tough. New York is trash. <laughs> yeah, New York's terrible. We'll, we'll take New York out of the equation because it's trash. That's the worst by far. It's like, why even do it? New yeah. York, just stop it. But uh, who has the best Vietnamese food even you can include Vietnam in that equation too oh really yeah let's do it that's tough so well I mean Vietnam for me is the clear winner you know I've been quite a number of times and I know where to go and some of my family members that are still there which region uh, I was gonna the first thing that came to my mind was Saigon but uh-huh. In Hanoi, I really enjoy the food there. It's fantastic. It is home of the pho. <laughs> yeah, bingo. <laughs> uh, but in terms of outside of Vietnam, that is very close. Uh, I mean, I was in San Jose last uh, last Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and the food there was exceptional, you know. Um, but the food in Cabramatta, where I grew up as well, is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, the options are quite varied, uh, but you still get a lot of the the same kind of marquee dishes that mm-hmm. we would get in San Jose. If I had to pick, I would probably put San Jose just yeah. on top of Carolina. <laughs> 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 That's right, 408. It's impressive. Okay. It's impressive. Uh, I would say, um, how do I, like, I try to explain this to people, but they don't really understand what I mean. Because uh, I would put San Jose Vietnamese food against Vietnam's Vietnamese food because it's the same technique mm. right but the ingredients are different so like the pho in san jose like they make it the same way but because meat is more plentiful out here and the the like we have world-class beef mm. you know it's like people talk about you know japanese wagyu beef but like that's i think that's all hype prim- uh, primarily but like the beef in america is like even like the low-end beef is still really good so we have that <laughs> to work with you know yeah. compared to like the the cattle that you would get in vietnam yeah, yeah. now like the vietnam uh like i would say if, if you want to talk like authentic it's i would say it's a wash just because you know you have people coming from vietnam right into san jose and they're using the same techniques just with slightly different ingredients so if you want like a more richer profile in terms of like the food because uh america has i, I would argue better ingredients mm-hmm. it's like you could argue that it's it's better but if you want like you know more kind of like homely straight from vietnam vietnam food then you know it's also excellent and plus it's so much cheaper in vietnam so yeah. that, that goes a long <laughs> <Exactly>. way <laughs> like uh for what i would pay for a bowl of pho in new york i could get like 10 bowls of pho in vietnam so <laughs> like pricing does uh, does uh, mask your 
your experience too. Yeah, I mean, like everything you said there about San Jose, the food and the, and the produce being mm-hmm. better, you know, I, I would probably say the same thing about Australia. You know, like the Australian beef, we're really well known that's for that. That's right. You guys do yeah. have good beef. I've never had it, but yeah, that's what I hear too. Yeah, I mean, like the, the food uh, is always fresh and you get great ingredients. So, I mean, Australia has fantastic Vietnamese food across mm-hmm. the board. And it's interesting, the, the main reason why I like the San Jose version of Vietnamese better than what I get back at home is the American culture of excess mm-hmm. kind of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excessive yeah. food kind of extends. There's no fun challenge in Australia, <laughs> is there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Since everything you get is bigger, you know what I mean? Bigger is better for me, you know? It's like, this is better value. <laughs> this, is, this, is like, this is why I'm paying $20. Because <laughs> I get a toilet bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting four prawns in my goiko, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not just three. Yeah, no, no, no not just uh, two sliced in half. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> you get the full one. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I loved it. I mean, the American San Jose portions of fur and everything like that—they were huge. It was great. How old were you when you left Australia? Um, twenty-six. Twenty-six. Okay. Did you? Uh, you said you went out and partied and clubbed in Australia, right? Yep. In Australia, okay, I'll say that. like in the West Coast, the Vietnamese people, what we like to do when we go clubbing is uh, we pregame. We uh, we get to the club at like 10, 30, 11 to get on the guest list for free so we don't pay cover. <laughs> uh, we party, we drink, uh, and then we go to get afterwards and we start fights at the fu- <laughs> <laughs> at the fuss <fu> spot <laughs> did you guys do that <laughs> same, same same but different you know what I mean like, this, is, this is funny like same deal pre-game uh, try getting either free or cheaply yeah. hopefully someone knows someone yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean um, and then sometimes or more often than not because you'd go to Asian parties mm-hmm. and you'd be in a room filled with kind of like Vietnamese people that are drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't end very well. <laughs> you know, like when I was growing up, certainly in my early 20s, I, uh, I'd go to these parties and it was consistent and regular fights. Yeah. You know, chairs being thrown across yeah. the room, people being Damn. stabbed, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And a lot of stabbing. Vietnamese people love stabbing. Exactly. <laughs> Sh- shooting's a very aggressive thing. If you're a Vietnamese person who shoots somebody, you've been whitewashed. I don't know what to tell you. You've been Americanized. You lost your culture. You stab a person. <laughs> like your ancestors. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Um, yeah, and then then instead of kind of going to have a fur afterwards, yeah. uh, we would often have Chinese food, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Sydney, there was a place called Super Bowl. And Super Bowl was kind of like a Hong Kong-style uh, Chinese food where everyone would just have congee and uh, sweet and sour pork and all that stuff. But fur would have been fantastic, man. <laughs> I'm so <Okay>. jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like uh, me and uh, there's another comedian out here in New York. His name is Mike Nguyen. Um, mm-hmm. He we uh, he likes to say that Vietnamese people are good at two things, uh, and that's fighting <laughs> and gambling. <laughs> 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 uh, I saw a lot of that gr- growing up. Did did you have that experience? Like, did your family and friends love to gamble? Because. <laughs> Uh, I don't gamble because I know I would love it too much. So yeah, like, right. I have to like 
remove myself from the situation because uh, otherwise I'd be a degenerate gambler because <laughs> I just love it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah. Uh, how about you? Uh, it's so funny because it, it was kind of the same deal, like Vietnamese people in the area. And it's funny, in Australia, we have something called pokies. So I think pokies you guys call slot machines, right? Okay. And um, the highest condensation of pokies in Australia happens to be in the Vietnamese area <laughs> where all the gamblers are. <laughs> like, Were there buses that would take old, <laughs> uh, old Vietnamese people to, out the, to casino. the casino? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's funny. But yeah, well, why is that, you think, that you know the Vietnamese people kind of have this affinity? I attribute it to our um, affinity to superstition and luck in general. Ah, so yeah. if you are gambling and you win, hmm. you have good fortune. Yep. And so you run with it. <laughs> but if you gamble and then you lose, yeah. then you have bad luck. Uh, I don't know what to tell you about <laughs> that. I think it's just a degenerate, like, I don't know. <laughs> I never asked. Inquire. It's just one of those attributes that, you know, you just do. Yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. Like, it's definitely a cultural thing. It's funny how uh, it happens. Uh, yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. Because, Emron, Indian people, do you guys like to gamble? Mm, I think some people do. I don't. But it's I don't not know. a I think thing. Like, yeah, it's not like a big thing i don't know yeah but like there's no buses taking like like there's no, no buses no. full of indian it's, people going to the it's casino. not it's not like how it is out here in san jose absolutely not. <laughs> okay uh did you ever play this game called thin land 13 oh uh, yeah, yeah okay, i love so. 13 <laughs> yeah <laughs> so when's the last time you played probably about three months ago actually wow, okay yeah, yeah i've been playing forever because i don't have a deck of cards i have uno at home <laughs> oh my god you've been whitewashed <laughs> Uh, well, I got to teach my girlfriend how to play then, I guess. <laughs> uh, but you can come over and you, we'll, we'll all play. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so I'm trying to like figure out, uh, did you ever uh, eat on the floor even though you had like a table and chairs? <laughs> <laughs> I probably ate on the floor for the first eight years of my life. You know? Did you have like this kind of... Newspapers? <laughs> newspaper, yes, but we had a mat that you rolled out. It was kind of like, like a fabric. Uh, it wasn't like... Um, it was almost like bambooish map. Okay, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I do yeah, know yeah, what you're talking about. I do know what you're talking about. Like bamboo have, place mats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, not necessarily. Like it was a big mat that everybody sat on. Gotcha. Yeah. Did you guys have that? Nah, newspapers okay. all the way. Newspapers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I don't know what that was about. Where we just like sitting on the floor, <laughs> even though like the table was right there. <laughs> True. I didn't think anything of it. It's like I didn't think say, like, hey, how come we're not sitting on the table? <laughs> we're just like, okay, it's time to eat. Everybody get on the floor. <laughs> we'll move the coffee table aside. <laughs> That's so funny. Because we didn't have a table but <laughs> you guys had a table what the fuck <laughs> oh i see you guys wanted a table <laughs> yeah, exactly uh, damn <laughs> all right okay cool. so um we got to wrap up soon uh and well like there's a lot more to talk about uh so we'll there have is. to have you come back uh soon uh, but for right now did you want to let people know how to find you because you are a comedian too and yeah, yeah uh, working on being a comedian. So, uh, where can people find you? And uh, and then anything else you want to plug? Just shout it out right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, firstly, thanks for being on the sh- letting me on the show. I love it. You know, like uh, I listen to your podcast all the time. It's fantastic. And uh, you know, you, you guys can find me on Instagram, and my handle is at k y a l l m. There's pretty much only one person that spells his name k y a l l. And yeah, just look me up, follow me, that'd be great. Um, you know, when it comes to the stand-up stuff, I'm just kind of like getting, trying to get my feet wet and uh, it's a lot of fun doing it here more than anything else. Okay, that's what's up. Uh, so Cheers, give man. them a, a follow on Instagram. 
Uh, and then once again, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Canal Street Market and Listening Party Presents. So follow them. Those are their handles on Instagram. Give them a follow, please. And then uh, I want to thank everybody for your continued support. I do see you guys rating the podcast uh and i do see you guys leaving the comments um i see the comments regarding the audio and i would say that's 100 percent emron's fault because <laughs> he's too goddamn loud uh but uh please uh continue to give us five stars we want nothing short of five stars either give us five stars or just don't bother at all because that doesn't help us <laughs> four stars does nothing for us okay quit being yeah. stingy with the stars it's like uh, just give us the full five, and then you can uh, give an honest feedback of what you guys think about the podcast in the comments. You can write, give us the five stars, and then it's like, actually, this is only a three and a half star uh, <laughs> show. It's like, we don't care. We're just trying to beat this algorithm, all right? <laughs> Quit being honest with the stars. Just give it up. Emron, <laughs> uh, where can people find you? You can find me at Imran the G. Where can they find you? You can find me at David Nguyen. That's uh, Nguyen spelled N-G-U-Y-E-N. And then you can follow us at The Bad Asian Show. Um, and then visit us at thebadasianshow.com. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Take care. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks, guys. Peace. Peace.